Good evening, everyone. Thank you so much for coming. We'll continue with our discussion of Sri Jiva Goswami's Krishna Sandarbha. We're in the uh, 28th Anucheda, which interestingly enough is giving us a deeper understanding of the 28th verse of the third chapter of the first canto. Iti chamsa kalapumsa krishnastu bhagavan swayam indrani vyakulam lokam mridayanti yuge yuge. All avatars mentioned and non mentioned not mentioned here <coughs> who are portions of Mahavishnu or empowered jivas create happiness in the world whenever it is afflicted by the demons and their ideas. But Krishna is the ultimate form of Bhagavan. We left off in our last discussion on this 28th Anucheda, wherein Jiva Goswami was uh, utilizing hermeneutical principles in order to uh, substantiate the significance of the one portion of the verse, Krishna's to Bhagavan Swayam. And we were specifically talking about the fact that this part of the verse itself is in the form of a sutra, a sutra being an affirmative statement that stands on its own, shruti. So there are shruti scriptures and there are shruti verses, or in this case, just one pada, Krishnastu Bhagavan Swayam, one of the four padas that can constitute the sloka. We covered most of what was said there. Just a couple things to to mention uh, before we move on. One could say, if Krishna is Swayam Bhagavan, then why is he counted in the list of avatars? A, an appropriate response to that would be, it's due to the fact that he appeared on the earth just as the other avatars did. He basically enacted the functionality of an avatar, although it was himself in his original form. So that's one response that could be had to an objection. Well, why is he even in the list of avatars? Because some would say, well, why is he even there? Because what you have to do is you have to refute the fact that he's an avatar. So why did you list him in the first place as an avatar? Again, Jiva just pounding the post, looking at, at all the different objections and looking at any one philosophical point from all different viewpoints, from all angles of vision, and covering it you know, comprehensively. Uh, a little bit of reinforcement from the commentary of the uh, Krishna's two Bhagavan Swayam. According to Amarkosa, a noun followed by two has no relation to anything that precedes it. Again, just making the definitive nature. When we say, when you see two, you know, Krishna's two Bhagavan Swayam, that's an affirmation. There's no doubt about it. It is a fact. It's a fact. There's no doubt about it. That's why the statement is so powerful, and that's why it's considered, also why it's considered a Shruti statement. 
alternatively, the word to implies restriction in the sense that only or exclusively. The verse would then be understood to mean only Krishna is Swayam Bhagavan and no one else. That was the third subsection. This Anacheda was so extensive that it was divided into four subsections uh, in, a, in this presentation and four distinct four distinctions were made as to the statement Krishna stu Bhagavan Swayam uh, by the commentator uh, in his presentation. So we're to the fourth of those. Uh, the distinction between the whole and its parts. Jiva Goswami continues to write. So what you find, what I've found, is if you look at other presentations, other English translations of the Sandarbhas, these Sandarbhas, especially without a commentary, just go on for pages. One Anucheda can just go on and on. It's uh, like a huge run-on sentence. It just keeps, Jiva just keeps going on and on. So, uh, you know, it's nice, at least in this presentation in English, that Sajjan Ryan Das has broken it up into subsections for us. And, and then in presenting it as a subsection, has commented on, on a way that we can come away from it with a, with a cohesive understanding first of the different parts and then how the parts fit together to convey the point that Jiva Goswami is trying to make. So we'll read directly from the Anucheta now in his, in his reading of the verse. And now we're going to learn something very interesting. It'll be, it's an interesting philosophical point. And what's interesting about it is we're in the Brahma Madhva Gaudiya Sampradaya. So we're going to see here the distinction between the theology of Madhvacharya and that of Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and the Goswamis. Presentation of Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's Sambandha Gyan. And it's an interesting, very interesting distinction. So now Jivago begins by saying in his reading, meeting Madhvacharyas, of this verse, 1328, the honorable Acharya of Tatvavad, Sri Madhvacharya, reads the word swa in place of cha and explains it as follows. Iti swamsa. Right? Our verse is iti chamsa. Kalapumsa. So Jiva's saying, Madhvacharya doesn't give you that presentation. He says, Iti Swamsa Kalapumsa. Reads the word swa in place of cha and explains it as follows. All those Iti mentioned above are avatars, but the original form, Mula Rupi, is Krishna himself. What is the intrinsic nature, Swarup, 
of the avatars. They are swaamsas and kalas of the purusha, but not different portions, vibhinamsas, like the jivas, as it is said in the Varaha Purana. We'll unpack this and understand what Jiva is saying here. So, next he quotes from the Varaha Purana, the verse he's referring to. Amsas or portions are of two types, self-same, swamsa, and differentiated, vibhinamsa. So Madhvacharya is looking to this verse and he's saying there's only two, two ways that, that the all-encompassing Brahman presents itself as a distinguished entity, either as a swamsa as or, or as a vibhinamsa. Swamsa, meaning the Supreme Personality, and Vibhinamsa being the Jiva portion. A Swamsa is defined as a portion endowed with the same prowess, Samarthya, the same in intrinsic nature, Swarup, and the same existential status, Stiti, as the whole, Amsi, that encompasses it. There exists not even an atom, Anu, of distinction, Beta, between the Swamsa and its Amsi. The Vibhinamsa, on the other hand, has minute potency and limited prowess, Varaha Purana, and of Madhvacharya's comment. There's God, and there's God, and there's the Jiva. There's no manifestations of the Supreme Godhead which carry any distinction from any other manifestation. The original Supreme Personality of Godhead is the same as any of the various other manifestations of Godhead that are mentioned here by Sutta Goswami. They're all, this, they're all of the same. And what's, what's this Varaha verse says? There's not a particle of difference between them. Anu. That's not our Gaudiya understanding of a, at all. The Lord manifests and how he's arrived at this, especially considering what, what was said in the two verses by Sutta Goswami just prior to this one, it bewilders one for him to, to present that there's not a particle of difference between Matsya and Krishna, between Rama and Krishna, between well, between Krishna and Balaram, we could kind of see there's a, you know, we could kind of go with it if that was all there is. Because we only hear of a distinction of color. So this is a fine point of, of, of theology that's, that's really distinctive. Now understand, this, this thinking in relationship to the supreme 
personality of Godhead, the Lord, then there's no distinction between the Purushas and Narayan and Vaikuntha or Krishna and Galoka. All the same. That's the teaching of Madhvacharya. Jiva's refuting that here. He's refuting it based on what? On what he's learned from Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Up to the time of Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, this was the accepted standard of theology in relationship to the Supreme. That no matter what form the Lord manifests himself in, they're all equally equal in every respect. As Gaudius, we say, well, what's our distinction? Achinta, beta, beta, tattva. Inconceivably one, yes, we accept God is one, but he can manifest differently in according to what he's what his desire is and also he can manifest differently according to the desire of his devotee so whether it be his desire or the desire of his devotee he can manifest a form those forms are all <coughs> the supreme but they're not equal in potency So Jiva goes on here to explain this and clarify it. In this regard, the following is to be said, Jiva writes. The Amsa's identity of prowess, nature, and so on with that of the Amsi is to be understood as due specifically to their oneness of categorical being. This situation is comparable to that of rivulets flowing from an inexhaustible lake where the inexhaustibility of the rivulets is due to the inexhaustibility of their source otherwise it would be impossible to distinguish between the part amsa and its all-encompassing whole amsi he continues Moreover, if Sri Vasudev, the Amsi, Amsi means the, the source, so the source of all the Amsas. If Sri Vasudev, the Amsi, and Sri Aniruddha, his Amsa, his manifestation, in the Chaitanya Charitamrita, uh, in, the, in the chapter in the Adi Leela uh, that presents uh, Advaitacharya, uh, we see that sometimes the, the Amsas ums, are referred to as limbs and sometimes they're referred, referred to as parts as a way of distinguishing their, their closeness to the original form of the Supreme Lord. So here, Jiva's making the distinction. If Sri Vasudev, we're now talking about the Chatra view of Ah, Vasudev, Sankarchan, 
Pajumnananiruta. If Sri Vasudev, the Amsi, the source, and Sri Adiruta, his Amsa, were identical in all respects, then Sri Vasudev would at times be expected to appear from Aniruta. Why not? In other words, we're saying every every manifestation of the Supreme is coming from the Purusha, but if the Purusha and any manifestation or avatar coming through the Purusha into the material manifestation, it could go the other way around. Why not? They're all equal. If they're all we equal in all respects, then there doesn't have to be an inexhaustible source. Every one of the manifestations of the the supreme is can equally be the inexhaustible source. We don't adhere to that understanding. But the Tattvavadis, the followers of Madhva Acharya, this, this they're willing to accept. Jiva's saying, well, it doesn't, wait a minute. There's Vasudev, there's Sankarchan, there's Pardumna, and there's Aniruddha. You're saying that Vasudev can come from Aniruddha? No. So he's clarifying it here. It's interesting. And how did he start? How did he start his attitude? The honorable Madhvacharya. It's not like we're, he's Madhvacharya, he's, he's an Acharya in our line. He's, he's done so much to further the cause of, of spiritual understanding in humanity. But on this, we, on this point, we differ. There's a distinction between his understanding and the understanding that was conveyed by Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu to Sanatana Goswami, and it's Guru uh, Sanatana Goswami's disappearance day. We worship all gurus on this day. So he's he's really our exalted, the exalted teacher in our sampradaya, the elder of the Goswamis. Were identical in all respects, then Sri Vasudev would at times be expected to appear from Aniruddha. This, however, contradicts the direct statements of scripture and is hence invalid, a sot. Consequently, an hierarchy, tara tamya, certainly exists between the avatari and his avatars. So Jiva's making his point, and he continues. Not done making sure we, we get what he's saying here. He's he's gonna keep going till there's not a not any wiggle room to think, well what about what if? And as we said, a lot of times Jiva himself will bring up the what ifs that we couldn't even think of asking ourselves. So he continues, thus in the eighth chapter of the third canto. Vasudeva is described as superior even to Sankarshan. Then he quotes from the third canto, eighth chapter. The four topmost celibate sages, the Kumaras, desiring to know the truth regarding he who is superior even to Bhagavan Sankarshan, approached and inquired from him Sankarshan, 
the original Deva, whose consciousness, Sattva, is unobstructed and who was situated in the Patala region. So the Kumars, they want some spiritual knowledge. And they approach Sankarshan. And they want to know the truth, it says here, regarding he who is superior even to Sankarshan. So they're going to Sankarshan. They recognize Sankarshan as the Supreme Lord. But they want to know, is there any... Is there anyone superior to you? We've heard this before, haven't we, in the Bhagavatam commentary. So, at that time, he was worshipping through complete meditative absorption his own source, whom the Vedas proclaim as Vasudev. This is the statement from the Bhagavatam that that Jiva's Goswami is using to show there is a hierarchy. Not all manifestations of the Supreme are equally the Supreme. But they are equally the Supreme in one sense, but not in every sense. Achinta, Beta, Beta, Tattva. And then Jiva himself explains the verse from the Bhagavatam he just quoted. Actually, there are two verses, the third and fourth verse of the eighth chapter, third canto. So the Kumars have gone and they're inquiring, who's your God? Is there, anybody, is there any God more than you because you seem to be more or less king of the gods here? You know, the whole, the whole universe is resting on you you're sitting at the base of the universe supporting the whole thing. So Sankarshan, in this manifestation of the Lord, or in this manifestation of Sankarshan, who has many manifestations, because ultimately Sankarshan is in the first chapter of Yuha, the original chapter of Yuha, Balaram. Krishna, Balaram, Pajumna, Aniruddha. Vasudev, Sankarshan, Pradyumna, and Aniruddha, and then another expansion in the material world. And also seen, as we've seen earlier in the Paramatma Sandarbha, as the manifestations, three manifestations of the Purusha avatars. Vasudev's not there, but Sankarshan, Mahavishnu, Pradyumna, Aniruddha, Mahavishnu, Garbhadakshai Vishnu, Kashiro Daksha Vishnu, respectively. But don't be confused. You'll see these different Purusha avatars referred to differently by the nomenclatures of the, of the Chakra Vyuha at different times in Shastra, in our Bhakti Shastras. Just so don't, uh, don't be so rigid. Different sadhus, diff- different commentators, they have varied revelation. And from their revelation, they, they express what they've experienced. And in their expression, they may use terminologies that to them were, were their revelation, but 
They may not all correspond with each other. That doesn't make one any less significant than the other. So when we read from Jiva Goswami, which we consider the Tattvacharya, well, I kind of like to align to Jiva's way of thinking. But that doesn't mean that if there's another presentation in the Bhagavatam or in from another sadhu through another discourse in any Puranic Bhakti Shastra, the Puranas that are that are based on Bhakti, that are that are significant in the presentation of Bhakti as the as the true attainment, the fifth Purushartha. That that we 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 discount that and say, well, no, that's wrong. Well, it's it's wrong and it's right. It's simultaneously what said. <laughs> so Jiva continues here. He says, in the explanation offered by Sri Madhvacharya, the phrase Krishna's too would become redundant. Why do you need to why do you need to segregate Krishna out as Swayam Bhagavan if your conception of the Supreme and all of his manifestations is that every manifestation is equivalent in all regards to every other manifestation? There's no need for the statement at all. In Madhva's presentation. So Jiva's explaining that here. The explanation offered by Madhvacharya, the phrase Krishna's too, would become redundant because its purpose would be served merely by the phrase Bhagavan Swayam. Moreover, Jiva continues, in his explanation of Vedanta Sutra 2.3.45, Madhva himself has explicitly pointed out the difference between the Amsa and the amsi by the statement. Although they are amsas, portions, matcha and other avatars of the supreme are not so in the same sense as the jiva. Now that he does make a distinction. He does distinguish between the Godhead and the jiva. That he does do are not in the same sense as the jivas, just as, although both the sun and a firefly are portions of light alone, they are not of one and the same category. And a footnote there. In other words, since Madhva here makes no distinction whatsoever between the Amsi and Swamsa, the specific identification of Krishna as Swayam Bhagavan Amsi becomes meaningless since all swamsas would at any rate be identical in all respects to Swayam Bhagavan. So this is not our understanding, but this was the understand this is the understanding of the of the Tatva So when you read something coming from Madhva and it seems not to quite fit in with your understanding, understand there were there are distinctive uh, theological differences in the presentation of Madhvacharya and Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and the Gaudias. 
Also, his another distinction that we've mentioned, brought to our attention, is in the jiva side of thing, the vibhinamsa thing. The vibhinamsa side, the jiva side, Madhvacharya's presentation is that the jivas are each in a category of their uh, of either goodness, passion, or ignorance all the time. It's fixed. You're not going to be going from a mode of ignorance jiva to the mode of passion jiva and upgrading to the mode of goodness jiva. You're stuck. Inherent. Inherent position within the modes of material nature, either in goodness, passion, and ignorance. And if you're not in goodness, there's no possibility of liberation. Pretty profound distinction. It's called the evolution of theism. I mean, we looked at, we discussed that. It's uh, the, theistic, theistic thought evolves according to the culture that's employing it for their spiritual nourishment. So it's going to change through time. What we're studying here is much different from the presentation that I was introduced to 50 years ago. Entirely, not entirely different. The basis that I that I came to Krishna consciousness, the study of the Bhagavad Gita, all those truths, all those tattvas still hold true today. But other things that were presented have been elaborated on to such an extensive point that the viewpoint and understanding of, of Gaudiya Vaishnav has evolved. That happens individually and that also happens collectively within the society. Of Vaishnavs. And we look to that now, the arguments, even the discussions, we won't call them arguments. Purvapaksas is a nicer presentation of that. The Purvapaksas that were discussed 40 and 50 years ago are not even in the current dialogue of what's being discussed. They're like, those are water under the bridge. The whole thought, the whole consciousness of spirituality in relationship to Gaudiya Vaishnavism, the, the discussion has gone so much past that now. Now we're discussing things like inherency. At least we are in a, in a, in a reasonable dialogue. I'm not saying that all sanghas of Gaudiya Vaishnavs, there aren't some that are spinning their wheels because I have observed some are still spinning their wheels on things that they haven't philosophically worked through that that there but the for the grace of God I'd still be spinning my wheels if I hadn't come into deeper association with 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 other sadhus that stimulated my inquiry and my spiritual growth and the same for all of you. So it goes forward and what, so it just becomes, what becomes commonplace is used as foundation upon how we build a deeper spiritual understanding and how we further nourish our spiritual growth. 
So quite a difference here. Jiva goes on, therefore, since a distinction exists between the part amsa and the whole amsi, we have appropriately explained the meaning of the statement. Krishna, however, is Bhagavan himself. Krishna's to Bhagavan Swayam. Then he goes on to just give us a little thing on the second half of the verse. The second half of the verse is not connected syntactically with the first half, Jiva says. Because the word to indicates a break in sentence structure. So in other words, that emphatic statement, Krishna's to Bhagavan Swayam, stood, just stood out by itself and that broke up any continuity in the presentation of the sloka, is what Jiva is saying here. Consequently, the statement, Krishna, however, is Bhagavan himself, is complete in itself. In other words, that, that statement doesn't require support by the rest of the statement of the sloka. It, it in and of itself is a sutra, profound uh, presentation. Had Sutta, meaning Sutta Goswami, who made the statement, intended, if had Sutta's intention been to compose a single sentence, he would have used the word cha instead of two. Again, Sanskrit. In that case, the statement beginning with Indrari, Indrani, the second half of the verse, would then mean that it is O. Oh, it is they only, the above stated avatars, who appear, Vridayanti, who grace the earth in each yuga, and not Krishna. One comment here. Although it contravenes the popular belief of Hindu Indologists, this understanding is crucial for the highest type of devotion, Uttama Bhakti known as Raganuga. This one sentence basically is in relationship to the emphatic statement that's been made here, Krishna's to Bhagavan Swayam. It's, it's, it's not commonly accepted, as we mentioned when we began analysis of this section. It's not commonly accepted that Krishna is Swayam Bhagavan in the Hindu understanding of the various avatars of the Supreme. He's just another avatar. But without this statement, without an understanding and acceptance of this statement regarding the distinction as Krishna as the original source of all other manifestations and as the supreme personality of Godhead, without acceptance of that, then the other, the deeper understanding of the highest levels of devotion that are aspired to by the Gaudias do not become available. So the whole practice of Raganuga Bhakti is dependent upon this understanding and acceptance of Krishna, an original form of the Godhead, whose Godhead is the supreme to such a degree that he doesn't have to do anything godly. 
everything's he's the source of all other manifest manifestations of the supreme and all those other manifestations handle the heavy lifting and Krishna's free to play in Leela perpetually with his most intimate associates who are so intimate in that play that they don't even know that their playmate or their lover or their child is the supreme. So the whole point, the whole entry into the level of relationship with the with the supreme that most intimate relationship with the supreme which is acquired through the practice of raganuga bhakti as outlined by the goswamis as they received instruction from sri chaitanya mahaprabhu that whole practice that whole entry into that deep loving relationship with the supreme who himself is playing as if he's not the supreme is not possible unless we unless we can come to an understanding of Krishna's two Bhagavan Swayam. Gaudiya Vaishnavism without this statement falls apart. These two statements, Iti Chamsa Kalapumsa Krishna's two Bhagavan Swayam. The statement Brahmati Paramatmati Bhagavaniti Subjate. These two are the foundation of our understanding of the Supreme. And they are the foundation of Gaudiya Vaishnavism, which, is allow, which allows the greatest opportunity, the magnanimous dispensation of Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is available when we can accept these foundational points. Vedanti tat tatva vidas tatva myas jnana madvayam brahmeti paramatmeti bhagavan iti subjite. And of course iti chamsak lampupsa krishnas tu bhagavan swayam. Drani vyakulam lokam vridayanti yuge yuge. So that finishes the 28th Anucheda. The 29th Anucheda will begin a different subject. So the subject of this Anucheda has been, let's understand this statement. Now, how does this one statement shed light on everything else regarding an understanding of the Supreme? This one statement from the Bhagavatam, Jiva is going to go forward and explain the universal application of this statement. First, by defining this statement as a Pariva Sutra, a Sutra, and then he's going to explain what is a Pariva Sutra, and then once we understand what what is the significance of even giving it that nomenclature, then he's going to go on and, and explain how this Sutra gives light to the entire understanding of the Bhagavatam and then he's going to draw us back to his presentation in the Tatvas and Darba where he made it clear that of all the scriptures all the scriptures gain their standing because of the light of the Bhagavat Purana so this 
statement, which is the Parivas Sutra of the Srimad Bhagavatam, is actually the Parivas Sutra of all the Bhakti Shastras. So we'll continue there in our next next discussion by reading from the 29th Anucheta. Any questions? So, Sandini, the existence basis upon which everything exists in the spiritual transcendental realm. That's Balaram's domain. <laughs> he takes care of existence. Krishna takes care of letting you know you do exist. And Radha gives you something to live for. Thank you so much. <laughs>